Earlier this week, Chrysler's new CEO, Sergio Marchionne, and his entire management team laid out their five-year plan of how they're going to turn Chrysler around. Marchionne made it very clear the company has the cash, the resources, and the people to turn itself around. Chrysler says it will break even on an operating basis next year. It'll break even on a net basis in 2011. By 2014, he projects it will earn $8 billion in profit on an EBITDA basis before taxes, depreciation, and amortization. And Chrysler says it will repay all the TARP money it got from the U.S. government by 2014. On paper, the plan sounds pretty solid. But what do the outside experts think? Well, joining me on the show today are three of the top analysts in the business. Michael Robinett is with CSM Worldwide, Eric Merkel is with Autoconomy, and Aaron Bragman is with IHS Global Insight. If you want to get a better idea of what's in store for Chrysler, if this company is going to make it or not, stay right where you are. We'll be back right after this. Are you wasting time surfing the web looking for that special gift? Why not shop where the auto industry does? Turn to the AutoLine website, click on the store, and you'll find a treasure trove of John McElroy endorsed products. Remember to go to AutoLineDetroit.tv for that inspired gift choice. From our studios in the Motor City, this is AutoLine. We went from somebody who was supposed to be dead in 2004 to making the most amount of money in 109 years of history. That's not a miracle. Things like that get built over time. It was done in a matter of four and a half years. And I think that this organization is as capable as the Fiat organization in executing a plan which is that ambitious and that is effectively going to change its competitive positioning in the marketplace. Here now is John McElroy. That was Sergio Marchionne talking all about how Fiat turned around and how he's going to do the same thing for Chrysler. And we're going to find out if the independent analysts think the same way, because joining me right now is Michael Robinett from CSM Worldwide, Aaron Bragman from IHS Global Insight, and Eric Merkel from Autoconomy. Great having you all here. Thank you. And Michael, let me start with you. I mean, I'll tell you, I went into that meeting very skeptical as to whether Chrysler was going to be able to survive. What do you think coming out of it? Has Marchione got this thing on track? Um, there's very little room for error, uh, I would say that. I mean, if you take a look at their product plan and what they plan on doing next year and the year after and the year after that, they are taxing the engineering and the development resources uh, to all ends. And, and also, they've got to make sure that they get the supply base involved. And that's why there were a lot of suppliers there yesterday, too, because they've got to sign them up to get the right technologies to make sure that these vehicles will be competitive. So um, I think the one thing that I was a bit converted on was their financial situation. But I think we also have to remember they haven't been spending a lot of money lately. They're not cutting tools. They're not having doing a lot of development. And it's when you start buying machines and cutting tools, the real cash starts going out the door. Great point. We'll have to get into more of those financial details in a minute. But same question to you, Aaron. Mm. What, what do you think? This company on track? Are they going to make it or what? I got to give them an eye for incomplete because while we saw a lot of interesting things yesterday, the one thing we really didn't see was any new product. What specifically is coming? We saw we'll have a B-segment Dodge, we'll have a C-segment Chrysler, we'll have a C-segment Jeep. But where was the actual product? We went through almost eight hours yesterday of, of this meeting and we saw for a few brief seconds a couple Chryslers that had some new launches up there. I 
really wanted to see exactly what was coming in another couple of years. And Sergio Marchionne has basically said, well, this is not how we operate. This is not what we do. But Chrysler coming right out of bankruptcy, the biggest challenge that they have is to try and keep people interested. Make sure that there are people here two years from now who are interested in buying a Chrysler. It may affect sales immediately, but this is a very important piece, and it's something that GM has done very well. They had a lot of people in. They showed everybody the passenger car lineup through 2014, the actual car, not even just a design, but here's a mock-up. Here's what we're going to sell. I think that's important. Yeah, it may be, but you're right. Marchionne has said you're not going to see them until they're ready to go in the showroom. Same thing to you, Eric. What do you think? I, I think it's going to be real touch and go over the next two years. So you've got a couple side, different sides of the equation here. One is I think the market share projections are just way too high. The market share is likely going to come down before they're able to stabilize it. Um, in, in most cases. So what we need to do is we ne they'll need to get some tailwind here. Hopefully we can see economic improvement. We can see some uh, increase in sales in ter terms of the overall macro uh, auto sales environment to buy fiat that extra time. But when we start getting out to 2012 and 2013, we start seeing the fiat and the Chrysler program starting to converge. They have to hit pay dirt. There is no room for error, as Mike just said. Yeah. Now, you all were nodding when he was saying that they're not going to hit their market share numbers. Why not? That's a huge number. They're looking at 13% by 2014. That, that means that's market share that's going to have to be taken away from someone else. U.S. is a zero-sum market. If you're gaining market share here, you're taking it away from someone else. You have Chrysler saying they're going to be at 13%. You have GM saying they're still going to be at 20 21%. Mm -hmm. Pretty soon we're looking at 120% that we have to divide up among everybody. That's not going <laughs> that to ain't gonna happen. That's It's, not going it's to four work. points away from where they are right now. Uh, and four points in a 17 million unit market if you add up U.S., Canada, and Mexico. Now you're looking at 170,000 units per point. That's a lot of volume. Essentially, four points, that's about three full assembly plants. That's a lot of volume. So if they're not going to hit their market share numbers, how are they going to meet their financial numbers? That's an excellent question. Now, <laughs> you're very perceptive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's why I run the show. <laughs> uh, okay. One of the things that they were rather conservative on were their sales projections for the entire market. They were thinking around 14.5 million by 2014 at IHS Global Insight, or a little bit higher than that. Most everybody is pretty much uh, a little bit higher than that. So if they have a history of basically at fiat over-promising, under-delivering, but still making a decent profit. So if they can do that at Chrysler, they can still have a larger volume, even even though they may have maybe 9 or 10% market share, it'll be more than what they're promising, but not quite what, they're, what they really want to promise you. Mm -hmm. So I, I still come back to this fact, though. Uh, okay, so they're saying the market's going to grow only so much. Mm -hmm. Everybody else thinks the market's going to grow higher. You guys don't believe they're going to hit their market share numbers, but who cares if the market's higher? Is it, is it just a wash, or do you not buy the numbers up and down of what they're it's saying. not only market share, but it's what kind of market share. And I think there was a good question yesterday by one of the analysts that basically said, you've got this linear relationship between sales and profitability, but, but what if you start losing sales on the Ram side or on the minivan side where you're probably making more, more money than the other vehicles and you're not able to get the margins that you want on your B cars and your C cars and your CD cars? This is where the problem is. The, the profitability trade-off is not there. What did you all read into the way that they're positioning the brands? Uh, we now have CEOs of mm -hmm. brands, mm -hmm. term that I've never heard before in the industry, but kind of interesting because they've made it work at fiat. Mm -hmm. my, my real concern with the, some of the brands, I mean, I don't, it's Jeep. And 
really when you look at Jeep and you look at that core Jeep brand Wrangler and Grand Cherokee or the core Jeep models Wrangler and Grand Cherokee and you try to venture outside of that as they're planning to do that's a really difficult thing uh, when you start looking at that market outside of that core Jeep buyer it gets incredibly competitive and we've seen Jeep try to do that with the Compass, with the Patriot and some of their other but not models. very good vehicles. I mean, not very good vehicles. You know, the, no. the bones of them are okay, but, but I would I would still argue in the CUV segment, it's a very competitive environment. And I think for Jeep to go outside of that, you know, when you're young and you're playing tag, you know, you've got what's called ghoul, you know, and I think the Wrangler and the Grand Cherokee are what Jeep is, it's ghoul for Jeep. But you start getting outside of that and they get tagged out, generally speaking, uh, because the, again, the market is so competitive. You've got Honda and Toyota out there. You've got Hyundai and Kia. You've got everybody out there with their own version of a CUV. One of the points that Marchione made in the presentation was that, oh, you all in the media and the analysts keep saying we're not going to get any real product until 2012 or later. But I'm telling you, we're this right. is Marchione. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Marchione is saying, wait a minute, 75% of our product will get Touched is the way that he put it. Yeah. Next year. This is what we really needed to see at this meeting. You had 600 people in this room and you didn't show them exactly what's going to be coming in the next 12 months. That's a perfect opportunity lost. Now, the things I'm hearing, however, are that these revisions that are coming are actually potentially going to be fairly significant. That we're looking not just at a couple of materials and then a little bit different soft touch plastics, but it is going to be a fairly decent revision of these vehicles. Well, they have to be really decent revisions of these vehicles mm -hmm. if they're going to pull people out of hundreds. Well, but it's going to be relative to what? I mean, it, yeah. you know, the, the Sebring revision may be very good relative to the current Sebring or the Avenger relative to the current Avenger, but it, will it be as good to say a Fusion or a Malibu, let alone an Accord or a Sonata? I think that was the assumption du jour yesterday was, was the situation where they really, they almost uh, coined it as the market's not moving, but we're moving forward. And, and we were talking about it this morning at our company is like the world is, the world's moving at light speed and these guys are going to have to move, move even quicker because they are that far down on virtually every indice. What do you guys make of, uh, again, going back to this touching the vehicles, of mm -hmm. repricing them, throwing a lot more advertising, because that was one of the points that Marchione made is, hey, we've been dark here for about five months. Ever since we went into bankruptcy, we haven't said peep. So what do you think about repositioning, repricing, uh, throwing a lot more advertising, putting in new interiors in like the caliber and the journey, new engines going in them? Is that enough? to at least stabilize their market share or grow it? Or, or do they lose? I, I think they lose over the next, say, 18 to 24 months. I think it's going to be very and difficult. they had their share going up by, I think, uh, one and a half or almost two points next year. And we sat back and go, on, with what? With what product are you going to do that? Um, you got to remember, it's also very expensive to reposition a brand. Uh, the advertising that goes into it and all the training and the new product that's required to do that, it gets very expensive. Every time you reposition, that's more money that gets, gets spent. Well, not to mention the, the time element as well. So when you look at, you know, there's a perception problem that they're well aware of in terms of quality, in terms of everything that's happened at Chrysler, in terms of the bankruptcy. Well, that was then, this is now, it's a new day. But the consumer doesn't change that quickly. You know, that perception yeah. takes time. And time is something that is, uh, you know, very precious to Chrysler right now. It's um, going to be very A non-renewable resource, time is. <laughs> exactly. I think that, John, the key vehicle uh, within the entire portfolio, and, and, and they're all going to say they're all important, but I think that this sort of 2013 uh, Sebring 
full replacement off a fiat platform. They, they keep talking about the, what they're going to do in repositioning it, and that's got to be a volume driver. If you look at Ford and GM and, and all the agents, Toyota, Honda, Nissan, everybody, mm-hmm. that's their volume car. And right now, Sebring and Avenger, it doesn't even resemble a volume car. So that that is, to me, the most important vehicle in the entire lineup over the next couple of years. Especially since when you look at the competition they're going to be facing, Hyundai is about to go ballistic with the new Sonata and start really going after Hyundai, going, or going after Toyota, going after Honda um, with a new product that you said is, is phenomenal product. So right. this is really has to be not yeah. just not just a great product. It has to be a home run for Chrysler. And you get a full revision yeah. of the of the Fusion coming up as well. Yeah. So at about the same time, so people will be comparing and contrasting those two vehicles, and it's just going to have to stack up, and it, the dog's going to have to hunt. Going back to sales volume. Now looking at it on a global basis, one of the things Marchione talked about was selling Chrysler products made in NAFTA elsewhere in the world. Could that be enough to grow volume that if they didn't hit their market share here, they still hit their financial numbers? Not the current products at any rate. Uh, maybe the next generation products, could, if they're commonized with Lancia, like we keep hearing they're going to be, they'll have a bit more of an international flair to them. I think Jeep actually has a lot more potential overseas. They said they were going to basically mm-hmm. quadruple their international sales. A lot of that's going to have to come through Jeep and emerging markets. And that, frankly, is probably one of the better areas where they have a shot at actually making that work. And, and that could be, too, where the crossover for Jeep has resonates a little better would be in the international markets as opposed to here at home. And I, th- I wouldn't put it past Fiat to actually um, go in and basically say the U.S. is a low-cost location or, or Canada or Mexico and start exporting some product. Well, don't you think that's going to happen with uh, the Fiat 500, the Cinquecento? I just love no, saying it, that. No, it, it will. It will. Yeah. Because they're going to make even, that in Mexico, right? They'll make it in Mexico. Poland right now is still relatively a high-cost location, much higher than, or much lower than Italy, but still a high-cost location. So now they finally have a second source for that, and they can balance the two. And what do you guys make of, uh, the, there was a sales number dropped during the presentation of 300,000 Fiat vehicles being sold in the American market, or maybe it's NAFTA market. Must be NAFTA. And, and then he said 70,000 of those, they hope to be Alfa Romeo. What's the other 230,000? Uh, Fiat brand. Fiat brand? I, yeah. don't, I, I took it as Fiat group mm-hmm. vehicles, yeah, and that's where I'm going with this, because one of the other fascinating tidbits they dropped is they'd like to get back into heavy trucks. They're talking about 18-wheelers. I, I, I'm assuming that means Class 7 or Class 8 yeah. mm-hmm. heavy trucks. And it's possible. That, that's out it of Iveco, right? It could be Iveco. Mm-hmm. It could be, because right now, all that stuff is coming out. Now, they have some uh, factories in Brazil, but most of that is coming out of Europe right now. And so I'm sure they're always looking for, for new markets. Mm-hmm. What else might we see? Uh, you know, there's launches coming over that... Uh, again, to the one slide I think that you mentioned, where right. they, they very for fast. about three seconds they showed us the Chrysler <laughs> they lineup, us the, the future of Chrysler lineup, Chrysler it, brand, it, Chrysler brand lineup, and it really looked great. The it's just time. that I'd like to see it next month as opposed <laughs> to you know out to 2012 and 2013 before it finally gets all unveiled. But, but, but do I have that right? They're going to be badge engineered launch of vehicles. That's what it seems like. It seems like you're going to have interchangeable Lancia in one market, Chrysler in the other market. So. It's possibility. I thought it was a little unusual that they were they were comparing the two I, quite so close. And I personally, I, I like the styling. I, I like where launch has been. I mean, in the past, the launch of styling has been pretty, um, I guess, polarizing would be a there. kind. Yeah. It would be a little out there. But um, some of the newer launch of styles are really nice. And I think that they 
there's a possibility that they could blend in nicely with a Chrysler lineup. Let's, let's face it, Lancia is a resurrection as well. There's one vehicle over there, and it's mm -hmm. the Epsilon. Everything else mm -hmm. is such low volume, it almost doesn't matter. So they're starting from ground zero. I almost liken it to sort of a Saturn Opal type of idea when they were talking about bridging the two. Uh, they're going to probably do something very similar. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, what about commercial vans, too? What kind of volume? I mean, obviously, Dodge dealers need, or Ram dealers, I guess i got to right, learn right. to say now, need a replacement for the Sprinter, mm -hmm. which has got almost a little bit of a cult following behind it, but the volume's very low. Yeah. And uh, during the presentation, they talked about having what sounded to me like a replacement for the Sprinter and a smaller commercial van as well. Well, you've got the Ford Transit and the Transit Connect, so I think the, the Doblo and the different variants of the Doblo would... Um, probably match up pretty well with some of the other light, light commercial vehicles that are being brought over. Uh, and it's also made market. in Turkey, mm -hmm. which is similar right. to where the Transit Connect is made, so they'll probably steal a book out of, or a page out of Ford's book and put a seat in the back and then take mm -hmm. the seat out when it gets to Baltimore. So. <laughs> to right. avoid the import tax. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I know, that's just a crazy situation there. Uh, let's go back to some of the numbers then, Michael. You you were saying uh, that you weren't sure that you bought into to everything there, but again, what do you think of them breaking even next year on a operating basis? I think they said they'd break even on a net basis in 2011 right. and make an eight billion dollar profit in 2014. I will say this, um, the product plan that they laid out, it leaves very room, very little room for error. It also assumes that their market share is going to go up. Even next year, it's going to go up. So I, I'm questioning that a little bit. I think the other issue is they've taken out so much cost over there, over at Chrysler, that it, 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 almost you can make money doing anything in some respects. And I don't mean that in a perverse way, but, but frankly, they've taken out so much cost that through the bankruptcy process that um, it, it actually could be easier to make money. But I think once they start to become, again, a full-fledged car company, fully developing product and a full portfolio, that's when the costs are going to start to come in. Something that's concerning, though, is the expenditure that they're going to be making. They're averaging about $4.5 billion per year, they're saying, in terms of product development, in terms of capital expenditure. And a lot of that is going to basically be coming from the cash that they're taking in from sales. And so they're, they're also counting on that increase to keep going and keep funding new product development. And one of the questions to Marchione yesterday was, what if you're not making these numbers? What does that do to your product development? And he was very frank, and he says, well, we're just not going to have all the product that we're going to need. We're just going to have to cut. And if you do that, well, then your market share is going to you know, be even harder to get to these kinds of levels of market shares. So it's a little bit different, a little bit difficult to understand how are they going to keep spending a lot of this money, which you're going to have to do it if you're going to have this kind of product cadence. Mm -hmm. Eric, what do you make of that $8 billion profit? I don't think in the history of the company the uh, Chrysler's ever made that kind of profit. I think that that's, uh, that's going to be very difficult for them to achieve. I think that, uh, you know, but like the market share numbers, I think that they're going to be next to impossible to achieve, achieve as well. But as, as Mike pointed out, though, uh, they have the new Chrysler does has shed a lot of its debt and a lot of the, the cost, overhead cost structure, a lot of that's been reduced. Uh, so we'll just have to see. I mean, a lot of it's going to depend on, you know, I think where the economy goes and how the overall macro market performs over the, the coming years or the coming, say, next 12 to 24 months. And then, you know, the product lineup. But I think Chrysler is going to likely be, I think the plan is very aggressive. I think it's going to be likely a smaller uh, car company going forward, fewer models. What do you all make of the presentation itself? I mean, this thing went on for eight hours. I think I was there for 10 hours, you know, by the time I got there to the time I left. Mm -hmm. What's the thinking behind doing such a grueling marathon of a presentation? 
I think it was a bit European-esque. I think that mm -hmm. that's the way that they do it in Europe, and they felt it, since it's it basically we're running the show, we're going to do it our way. And, and I'm sure they got some advice from a lot of people saying, no, that's not the way we do it in Detroit. You know, we get, in, we get them in, we get them out, we feed them lunch, and, and everybody has a nice day. But they wanted to take us through the entire process. I think there was also a couple of uh, occasions where some presentations were, didn't necessarily jive with the next presentation, and, and it's almost as if, hurry up and put something together, we'll review it, and then we'll get it out the door. I, I like the, the detail. There were a lot of things left out, though. I think we, we'd all agree there were a lot of things left out that we'd like to see. Yeah. Any other thoughts on... Uh, I, I tell uh, you what, though. Mark Ione himself, actually, a fairly impressive person, I would say. Yeah, I'd agree. If, if anybody else was up there delivering this plan, you'd automatically say this is nuts. They're never going to be able to achieve any of this. Yet he has a style of being up there and having very little BS in front of him. You don't feel like he's a, any kind of a snow job, that he's actually there telling you the truth, telling it like it is, because he frankly doesn't have time to try and come up with a story, like we saw in the, in the previous administration where they're basically saying, oh, everything's going to plan while the house is burning down around them. So it's, it's a new day over there. I think people are still kind of getting used to that, that style. Don't you think, too, Eric, part of it was here's a chance to introduce to everybody a bunch of my team? Because I tell you, there were people up there I've never seen them before in my career. And that's unusual because I've been around a long time now. I think it was an opportunity to introduce his team. I mean, literally his whole team. I mean, we saw everybody up there yesterday. I don't think there was anyone that we didn't hear from. But, um, you know, I think it also fits with Marchioni himself. Um, I think he's a very strong-willed, hard-driving, hard-charging executive. And I think that um, the eight, nine-hour marathon that was put before us was very much uh, very indicative of his style of management. Yeah, I'm sure Chrysler managers are saying we do this every single day right. <laughs> or that sort of thing. Um, don't you think, too, that... Uh, this was a way for Marchioni to, uh, I mean, to me it was interesting that they brought in the press, that they brought in the analysts, that they brought in suppliers, that they brought in dealers. Uh, I mean, brought in Walter Chrysler's grandson, yeah. or great-grandson. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's right. Uh, that was yeah. fun. He got in his uh, talk about <laughs> what was going on there as well. Okay, here's one thing that we got to throw on the table. As I was going through that presentation yesterday, all I could think of is what a condemnation of prior management. Bob Nardelli, Tom Lasorda, Dieter Zetcha, they got some explaining to do because that company's been gutted. And everything that has gotten them in the mess that they're in right now was all on their watch. Your thoughts on that? I think there's no doubt that you've got a company that's had essentially 12 years of, of, of mismanagement in a sense that they were ignored. Uh, you know, with, with the German ownership, uh, it, was, it was basically centered around Stuttgart, and, and basically they reported in, and they were treated as such. And it's unfortunate, but it's the way, it's the way it was. And with, with Cerberus, I think that they, they obviously got, got in way over their head, realized what it really cost to develop vehicles, and the lack of scale over at Chrysler, which is unbelievable mm -hmm. uh, and the fact that wow we can't do this well we'll just put some patchwork together and do what we can and the what a vehicle that's a good example of that is Sebring Avenger that's that is the the product of of when you really want to cheap out and do a vehicle um, um, just very very quickly yeah 
Your, your thoughts, same thing? Condemnation oh, of prior management? Absolutely. Right. I think it was uh, really telling when Marchionne stood up and basically talked about how he would not have voted for, he would not have approved the redesign of the LX platform, of the rear drive cars, because of the expense involved. He said it would have shocked you out of your pants. Shocked you out of your pants. Shocked I love how he phrased that. Right. How much, and he wouldn't have approved it without knowing that there are additional derivatives coming. Mm -hmm. But it was uh, really, I think it was, uh, just telling of just how far the company had fallen when they're talking about what they're doing to improve the Jefferson North plant. And you basically see they're cleaning the machines and they're wiping off the robots and repainting the floor. I mean, it gotten to that point where it's really that bad. You need someone else to come in and tell you how to basically run a quality organization. That's astonishing. I mean, I'm glad they're on the path now, but wow. I know uh, I sat at lunch with Doug Betts, who runs all their, their quality problems, and he said, what do you think of the presentation? I said, Doug, unfortunately for you, I was here when Dieter Zetsche said that in five years you were going to match Toyota quality. I was here when Bob Nardelli said in two years you were going to match Toyota quality, and now you guys are telling me you're going to match their quality. So, you know, I've seen this before, and it goes back to your point, Aaron, of cleaning up Jefferson North and all, and it's like, wait a minute, I, I saw this revival in the early 80s. I saw this revival in the early 90s. Here we go again. That's the one thing we didn't hear is what is going to be done to take Chrysler off the cycle, mm -hmm. the boom and bust cycle that's been happening since 1950, to really understand how are they going to make this right, right the ship and keep it floating. Mm -hmm. I'll have you guys back in 20 years when we go through the next <laughs> revival again. But thanks so much Very for coming well. in and talking all about what's going on at Chrysler. Very interesting. Are you wasting time surfing the web looking for that special gift? Why not shop where the auto industry does? Turn to the AutoLine website, click on the store, and you'll find a treasure trove of John McElroy endorsed products. Remember to go to AutoLineDetroit.tv for that inspired gift choice. As we always do, we left the cameras running and we have more of our discussion about Chrysler that you can watch online at AutoLineDetroit.tv. You can also watch AutoLine Daily there. It's a seven-minute webcast that covers the latest news that's coming out in the industry, no matter where that news is happening. You can watch it at AutolineDaily.com. Then on Thursday nights, we do the first live weekly webcast that's ever been done in the auto industry to get the behind-the-scenes information of what's going on, the kind of stuff that typically is off the record. Highly opinionated with blunt commentary, we call it AutoLine After Hours. But that wraps up this show. For all of us here at AutoLine Detroit, thanks for watching. We'll see you right here next week.